Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpWithTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in today. An overload of immorality. How can Christians respond to so much of the news that's happening around us today in the direction of our culture and sadly, uh, the direction of some churches. We'll talk about that today as we go through many, many articles and headlines. Father in heaven, give us wisdom today, Lord. We thank you for giving us discernment. Thanks to your Holy Spirit in us and we praise you, Lord, that we have the Spirit of Christ. We have the mind of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit. And thank you, God, for filling us. We ask for a fresh filling today of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for that power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We ask that you give us insight, Lord, so that we know how to respond to so many things that are happening, uh, so that we can raise strong Christian children, so that we can respond and expose deeds of darkness, so we can be salt and light and be effective as Christians as we share the gospel and as we uh, continue to try to make a dent in the darkness. And I know it just takes a little bit of light, Lord, so encourage those who need encouragement today to keep speaking the truth in love and keep trying to shine light on the darkness. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the glory that we have to look forward to when Christ returns, that blessed hope of our great God and Savior and his return. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this upcoming Easter season. Resurrection season is upon us Of course, the truth of the resurrection lasts all year long, but we get to celebrate it in a few weeks. And we pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that we may draw closer to you and that our faith would be strengthened even more. In Jesus' name, amen. Many articles today to get to, but um, God led me to Psalm 5 this morning. I just want to read part of it to you. Uh, Verse 2, listen to the sound of my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning I will present my prayer to you and be on the watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all those who do injustice. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord loathes the person of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, your abundant graciousness, by your abundant graciousness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Verse 11 says, But rejoice All who take refuge in you, sing for joy forever, and may you shelter them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For you bless the righteous person, Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. That's from Psalm 5. As we get into the stories today, um, my book will be out hopefully April 20th. That's the release date. The title is Canceling Christianity. And I was talking with uh, Travis, our new producer of Stand Up For The Truth, about the fact that we could do a story like this every day uh, for however the foreseeable future on how someone or some group or some um, individual or movement is trying to cancel Christianity, silence or censor. Um, but let's talk about this disturbing story. You know, uh, Oral Roberts University is uh, a Cinderella team. It's a Christian university in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They are one of the teams in March Madness. Uh, Now, the team or the university was founded by the late preacher, Oral Roberts, and um, they beat the first two teams that were, I mean, I think they upset a number one or number two seed last weekend. I think Ohio State University, believe it or not. So they're a Cinderella team in the basketball tournament. But here's why we're talking about them right now. A USA Today columnist. This is not some little paper, little local newspaper. This is a national 
newspaper, USA Today, says that Oral Roberts University should never have been allowed in the NCAA March Madness basketball tournament. Why? Because they believe the Bible is true. Due to the position, their position on sexuality, Oral Roberts University. Now, um, here's the mission over at their website, Oral Roberts University, to develop Holy Spirit-empowered leaders through whole-person education to impact the world. And its handbook says students should avoid, quote, sexual promiscuity, including adultery, any homosexual behavior, premarital sex. Certain behaviors are expressly prohibited in Scripture and therefore should be avoided by the members of the university community, the handbook says. It's Oral Roberts University. So this guy over at USA Today, Kamal uh, Javieri, I, don't, I, I said it Italian. It's not an Italian name, but I said it like that. So Haveri's column, which received some pushback now on social media, he says that the school's position on homosexuality should disqualify them from the NCAA basketball tournament. Wait a minute. I thought they were, the left was, I thought they were preachers of tolerance. So here's a quote. This is now, friends, I bring this up because this is how they're openly saying this now. Um, 20 years ago, they would have just maybe uh, talked in hushes and whispers and didn't wouldn't write an article or wouldn't say this in an interview or uh, put it on social media or whatever. But now um, we're in a new season, aren't we? We're in a new time in life and we are to understand the times and know how to respond like the men of Issachar in the Old Testament were commended for having discernment, for understanding the times. So here's what he said, this guy at USA Today, that Oral Roberts wants to keep its students tied to toxic notions of fundamentalism that fetishize chastity, abstinence, and absurd hemlines, talking about the length of women's dresses, is a larger cultural issue that can be debated. He wrote, what is not up for debate, however, is their anti-LGBTQ stance, which is nothing short of discriminatory and should expressly be condemned by the NCAA. So, um, because they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, natural marriage is between one man and one woman, um, this guy representing the, the uh, USA Today paper, which is very liberal. It's a liberal paper. Most of them are uh, today. There are a few exceptions. One is the Washington Times and uh, Washington Examiner. Uh, but the, um, anyway, we're going down that list. Um, so he's saying they should be disqualified. They shouldn't even be in the tournament because of their beliefs, not because of what they did or how they treated someone or because of uh, the content of their character or their fruit, but because of what they believe. They believe the same thing that we do, friends. Or I'm not assuming that everyone listening is um, a Christian conservative or believes that the Bible is true and the scriptures are inerrant. But most of this audience is. So the, here this university is in the tournament, and USA Today says they should be disqualified. So that's one story that's of concern. Um, and all these stories I get into today will be in the podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. And that brings us to the next uh, concerning story. And this is right out of the Pentagon. I don't even have an article that I can share with you. I've got a copy of a memorandum from the Secretary of Defense in Washington, D.C. This was dated a week ago. Uh, yeah, a little over a week ago. Um, it says, Memorandum for Senior Pentagon Leadership, Commanders of the Combat or Combatant Commands, Defense Agency, and DOD, Departments, Department of Defense, Field Activity Directors. Here's the subject. Okay? This is because we have a new president, a new administration now. Changes are taking place at every level, including the military. Um, subject, promoting and protecting the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex persons around the world. So the Biden administration doesn't want to um, 
protect Christians that are being slaughtered in Africa by Boko Haram or the Sudan or other places around the world where there is severe persecution, where thousands are being killed, women are being raped, children are being kidnapped, sex trafficking. No, the Biden administration is not concerned about that. What they're concerned about is promoting and protecting the so-called rights of LGBTQ and intersex, I guess that's the I after the LGBTQ, going down the alphabet. Not only in America, but this is around the world. So this isn't... Oh, Lord, help us. Now, what is, what is the purpose of our military? Is the purpose of our military to promote some sort of sexual ideology or deviancy? No. But this is what they're doing. This is the, the theme in these first two stories. There's a resistance against biblical Christianity. And there, this, you can get this. I wish I knew um, where I got this document from. Someone sent this to me. And it's got the logo, the Department of Defense stamp on it, the Secretary of Defense. It's a memorandum. It's stamped March 12th. But it says the president, meaning President O'Biden, um, issued a memorandum directing all U.S. departments and agencies that engage abroad or are involved in foreign aid, assistance, and development programs to undertake a number of actions related to promoting and protecting the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and inter- intersex persons. And then it goes on. Here are some things. The Department of Defense. Just that word defense. They are to defend Uh, American interests defend our nation, the United States, here and abroad. So that's the the Department of Defense, but here's what they want the DOD and the Secretary of Defense to be promoting now. (laughs) This is, uh, you know, you can get strengthen existing efforts to combat the criminalization by foreign governments of LGBTQ status or conduct and expand efforts to combat discrimination, homophobia, transphobia, and intolerance on the basis of LGBTQ status or conduct. Expand ongoing efforts to ensure regular DOD engagement with governments, citizens, civil society, and private sector to promote respect for the human rights of LGBTQI persons and and combat discrimination or combat discrimination. Consider the impact of programs funded by the Department of Department of Defense on human rights, including the rights of LGBTQI persons. Now, they're saying they're doing this, talking about human rights, but they're not concerned about the human rights of Christians and others being slaughtered by these tribes and by radical uh, Islam, Muslims, by ISIS or Boko Haram, like I mentioned earlier. Strengthen the work DOD has done and initiate additional efforts with other nations bilaterally and within multilateral uh, international organizations to counter discrimination on the basis of LGBTQI plus status or conduct. So this, um, I'm going to try to find out where I got this, but I, we, we were looking up, uh, trying to find articles on this. So this leaked out, apparently. I can't find articles on this document. It is an official document, a memorandum from the Secretary of Defense, orders from President Biden. Uh, we already know his stance <clears throat> on uh, the Bible, and uh, he thumbs his nose at it. But here's another concern uh, I want to get to. Um, since we're on this topic. Let's go up to Canada for just a minute. There's a Canadian father that was jailed for refusal to go along with his daughter's gender transition. Wow. So a a Canadian man was arrested last week after violating a court order banning him from speaking publicly about his child's gender transition from female to male. The man, referred to in court documents as C.D., was found in contempt of court and arrested last Tuesday for calling the the teen his daughter instead of his son and publicly referring to his offspring with female pronouns 
according to the post-millennial. So the issue of the man's identity is murky as his name is reportedly still under a publication ban by the British Columbia Court of Appeals to protect his child's anonymity. Last year, however, the man revealed his real name in an interview with Canadian Alternative Media. The man was also slapped with charges of family violence, a term usually reserved for child abuse. Why? For obstructing the path of the now 15-year-old's transition and publicly speaking about his child's case. So this is uh, this came out a couple days ago, and um, this article um, is disturbing. Um, we are going to see more of this, friends. What happens in Canada doesn't stay in Canada. Sometimes it does, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so now back to America. Uh, so what's the logical result? What is the end game of this thinking? It is to to eradicate God and Christianity from America if that were possible. You, you've got to rewrite our history. You've got to deny Scripture. You've got to infiltrate the churches. Have they done that? Well, you tell me. Have they done a good job of that? Well, here's a story from the Family Research Council uh, called Two's Company, Three's Marriage. Um, so what could the left possibly want after 2015 when the court... Uh, banned uh, any um, governors or states' um, laws against same-sex marriage. In other words, they legalized homosexuality, same-sex marriage. Um, what could the left want? You know, they just wanted to live and let live, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Try polygamy. Try polyamory, polyamory. Is it polyamory? Yes. Um, anyway, so this story came out. A lot of people have been warning about this for 10 to 15 years, but a decade and a half later here, with American parents in the fight of their lives over their kids' sports in the high schools and junior high schools, locker rooms, dressing rooms, bathrooms, whether boys are going to compete with girls on different sports teams. Uh, They're battling over girls' sports, city councils, endorsing three-person relationships now. It turns out that we were right, those of us who've been trying to sound the alarm, about the left and the LGBT's push. This fight was never about marriage. It was about every sexual and social norm. Even back in 2003, remember Justice Antonin Scalia? He predicted this was on the way. Man, talk about prophetic. He pointed to the threat to state laws based on moral choices, bigamy, same-sex marriage, adult incest, prostitution, adultery, fornication, uh, bestiality, and obscenity. This was in his dissent from this court case, Lawrence versus Texas, 2003. People thought he was being dramatic. People thought Scalia was exaggerating, but they don't think so anymore. An astounding I hope you're sitting down. If you're driving, uh, please, both hands on the wheel. An astounding 20% of Americans now think polygamy is morally acceptable. 20%. This is a Gallup poll. 20% of Americans think polygamy is morally acceptable. Tripling the number uh, who held those beliefs when Scalia issued that warning in 2003, in the case Lawrence v. Texas. So America's slippery slope is even icier now with the news that another city council has officially recognized polyamorous relationships as an acceptable form of domestic partnership. This is in Somerville, Massachusetts. They were the first to do so last summer, followed by Cambridge City Council this month. In the same town that's home to Harvard University... Uh, this is just astounding to most of us, but uh, really not surprising. So more when we come back. In fact, I'm got, I've got a little pearl for you to, to, about Harvard University. Where is that? Yeah, we got to talk about that in a minute uh, when we come back from our break. Also, we're going to get into the public schools. You'll never believe how much some school teachers are making in some of the most uh, the, the the failing districts in in the nation. Uh, more on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. 
thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Okay, you're going to love this one. No, you're not. Uh, remember <laughs> Jack Phillips, the Christian baker that was sued by the homosexuals for... Um, you know, he he gave them, he referred them to another baker, but he didn't want to make a cake for a same-sex wedding. Well, he was sued. That case went through. This was many years ago, not many, but several years ago. Guess what? The tolerant LGBTQ activists, they're suing him again, this time for refusing to bake a transgender cake. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I mentioned Harvard University before we took a break. And a couple years ago, you could register, freshmen in college going to Harvard could register their gender uh, as one of, I think it was, gosh, 30, 40, 50 different genders. You could register, you know, so different genders, right? So they're woke or whatever that is. But let me talk about how Harvard started. Back in uh, 1636, they were formed. Um, and I wrote about this, uh, I don't remember what, what book I wrote about this, but Harvard University in the early days, they were really solid. They put out Christian ministers. John Harvard was a pastor. And this is really shocking if you think about the fact that in 1692, Harvard University's uh, logo, they had, it was a badge, a shield, with three sections. Uh, it says, truth for Christ and the church. Three things, truth for Christ and the church. That was the original seal of Harvard University when they were teaching theology and putting out pastors and on their buildings, the truth shall make you free. Within 150 years, Harvard University removed Christ and the church. You know what's on their shield now? One word, veritas, truth. Instead of three, truth for Christ and the church, they removed Christ, removed the church, and you know what happens when you remove truth, uh, biblical and moral absolutes and, and truth and Jesus Christ and the church, you have anything goes, moral relativism, man's word instead of God's word. So Harvard now is based not on education, but on progressive ideology, man's word. So it used to be um, truth for Christ in the church. Isn't that sad? Now it's just truth. But whose truth are they teaching in most universities in America? Just wanted to point that out before we go back to this story now with the Christian baker, Jack Phillips. Um, so he was targeted, I don't remember the year, um, 2016, 2017 at a court case. But anyway, uh, so transgender uh, goes into his store and wanted to get a cake that was blue on the outside, pink on the inside, and celebrating her transition. And uh, she attempted to order the cake in 2017, and um, on the same day, by the way, that the Supreme Court said it would hear Phillips' same-sex wedding cakes. Now, case. <laughs> so, isn't that sad? Isn't this, wow, um, they're targeting him. Isn't this harassment, friends? No American should be bullied or banished from the marketplace for simply living according to his or her conscience and working consistently with their faith. This is the intolerance we're seeing today. So, again, that USA Today story that a Christian college shouldn't be allowed in the NCAA tournament because of their biblical beliefs. The T in the LGBT, a transgender suing Jack Phillips, the Christian baker who was sued by homosexuals. Now, they're not all activists, friends. They, I'm not saying that. Please don't misunderstand. They need the Lord. They need to hear the gospel. And it's up to us to share that. But I'm just sharing the direction of our culture and country and the intolerance toward Christianity. Next story. Um, you've heard of conversion therapy, right? Well, this is over at The Blaze. A federal appeals court tells an ex-gay pastor that he can't, that he can't sue Vimeo why? They deleted his ministry's videos. So this federal appeals court says the company is covered by Section 230. 
James Doman. He's a pastor of a church in Southern California. He's a self-described former homosexual. He lost his appeal last week seeking to sue Vimeo after the video platform removed his and his church's videos. Why? For promoting what they call sexual sexual orientation change efforts. So S-O-C-E. Sexual orientation change efforts. So the U.S. appeals... For the Second Circuit, Vimeo is protected by Section 230, which offers tech companies, big tech companies, a way to avoid any liability for content that appears on their websites. So Doman is a former practicing homosexual. He now has a wife and children. In October 2016, he created a Vimeo account promoting his ministry, put his videos on there. He posted nearly 100 videos to that account including some that were addressing sexual orientation as it relates to what the Bible teaches. So now Vimeo says you can't do that. You can't even bring up pastoral counseling. Wow. So Vimeo, which alleged that the pastor's account violated the platform's content rules, their rules apparently ban S-O-C-E, which is, again, sexual orientation change efforts. So we can't even talk about wanting to change someone who is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Um, wow. So do you see what's happening here? Um, Vimeo does not allow videos that harass <laughs> incite hatred, or include discriminatory or defamatory speech. In the the court ruling last week, the the court said that Doman and his church could not sue Vimeo due to the company's immunity under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now this, friends, Section 230 is something a lot of big tech companies are hiding behind, even those that removed... Christians, conservatives, even the president last year from Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever else. Mike Lindell, um, there are other Christian leaders that have been deplatformed or deleted completely. Some of our ministry friends and associates, people that have been on standard for the truth, um, they were either limited, censored, deleted. Some have allowed, been back now. Um, Jen Markell is one, Prager University, Dennis Prager. There's so many other uh, video platforms, and it's going to happen to us. It's just a matter of time. So just remember, look for us if we get removed or censored from whatever platform you hear this podcast on or follow our blogs, our ministry, standupforthetruth.com. Uh, we are working now on some ways to get a new website going and, and just you know, find other outlets. We mentioned some of those recommended resources before, but that's just another thing that, that's happening. So now let's let's turn over to education real quick. Um, I asked earlier if you knew how much the average school teacher makes. Uh, they're, now, their job is hard. I understand. School teacher's job is hard. And for years, however, for decades at least, two, three decades, Every Almost every time when a teacher's union says they need more money for the schools, the money did not go to help test scores, to help students actually receive quality education. It went to the unions, which then turned around and went to Planned Parenthood and other Democrat causes, um, millions of dollars into Democrat campaigns, and the teacher salaries, of course, and um, other things increased, but the students didn't really seem to get... If you just look at the international testing results where America used to be, the United States used to be number one, if not in the top three or five continually, but now look where we're at. I think we're in the middle, muddied area somewhere. I mean, we're below some third world countries in education as far as test scores at the true definition of education. So more than 1,000 Baltimore, which is a failing city and school district, More than 1,000 school officials make over $100,000 a year as students continue to fail. The Washington Examiner reported that 1,307 school employees are paid over $100,000 a year. The highest paid teacher in Baltimore earns $156,600. 
Of the more than 1,000 officials earning six figures, 316 are teachers. This is double the number of teachers making that in uh, 2018. Where is their money going? Well, check this out. The median teacher salary in just Baltimore, one of the most liberal cities in America, uh, Democrat run for decades, the median teacher salary in Baltimore last year was 73500 while the average income in that city for citizens was $29,800. Median teacher salary, 73000 some making over $100,000. Uh, the examiner noted that Baltimore City Schools CEO Sandra Santillisis was the district's highest paid employee. She wins the award, making $339,000 a year. And uh, let's see, oh, just three years ago, uh, she, she in three years, she had a $22,000 raise. And the districts are failing miserably. They are actually moving students along to the next grade when they are failing. And you can look up stories on that. Just recently in the last couple of weeks in the Baltimore, uh, Maryland school districts, um, I th- it was it may have been a, more than 100 students that were failing, and they kept on moving them up to the next grade, to the next grade. It's, it's, it's really sad. Think about if your parents there. So this is what's, what's been reported. Um, let's see. Okay, here's one. Project Baltimore reported earlier this month that a high school student managed to rank near the top of his class despite failing all but three classes over four years. You know what his GPA was, his grade point average? 0.13 grade point average. The unnamed student, um, well, his mom spoke out, and she thought he was going to receive his diploma this year, and she just learned that he would not graduate. He's got to be pushed back three years that's Baltimore. But remember, the teachers are getting paid very, very, very well. And uh, she thought that since his son was moving up into the next grade, he must be passing. Well, they looked into her son's records to find that he failed 22 classes and was late or absent 272 days in the last couple of years, I guess. And only one teacher ever requested a parent-teacher conference. So this was in Baltimore, and what what happens in Baltimore is not just in Baltimore. That happens in Chicago. It happens in Detroit. Detroit is one of the worst in the country. Happens in Atlanta. It happens in L.A., in San Francisco, in Portland, in Seattle. They move kids along. They pass them instead of taking the time to actually help them and educate them. And their excuse, the teachers' union, is always, we need more money. So, yes, okay, here we go. And further in the article, Project Baltimore reported that hundreds of students were promoted while failing most of their classes. But they were, going, they were advanced to the next grade. Completely unacceptable, or at least it would have been, 50 years ago in American government schools. Um, so... The examiner, Washington examiner, noted that the mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott, said the problem comes from a lack of funding. Baltimore happens to be fifth out of America's 100 largest school systems in terms of per-student spending. Baltimore is number five. It places higher than Chicago, Detroit, and Houston. So you can look, find this at either the Daily Wire or the Washington Examiner. And we'll put this in today's uh, podcast post as well. Now, what else is happening with education? Let's go to the next level. Let's go to college. What are students in college expecting? Well, they're not paying back their loans. Why? According to this article, student loan debtors, in other words, students that, that have college loans, student loans, they're refusing to pay off their debt now in, anticip- in anticipation of Biden forgiveness. <laughs> I'm not making this up. 
Some student loan debtors have decided to go on a debt strike and refuse to pay on their loans because, you know, Biden is going to make college tuition free, I guess. Um, so they're not going to pay theirs back because it won't be fair if they pay off their student loans and then Biden all of a sudden cancels college tuition across the country, right? Or, or for a certain group of people with a certain color skin or a certain minority or a certain whatever. Um, they'll have to be Democrats, of course. But uh, anyway, he's going to make college tuition free. Yeah, right. But they're, anyway, they're going out to, can you imagine? I'm just, I'm not going to pay my mortgage this year. I'm not going to pay my rent. I'm not going to pay my electric bill. You know what will happen, right? <laughs> Shut off the lights. The party's over. No, but these students say, no, I got debt. I'm not going to pay it because Biden's going to forgive my debt. Where do you suppose they got these ideas? Just like the migrants lining up at the southern border, ready and waiting for Biden's amnesty, these student loan debtors are under the impression that their loans will magically disappear once Biden takes action. Oh, Lord help us, right? Um, so others say that it would be really unfair, and this is what I've said so so many times, and a lot of educators say, it would be unfair to those who've already paid off their student loan debt, or it would be unfair to college students who never took out loans and paid their way through. Uh, it would send a horrible message if all of a sudden people could just ditch their their student loan debt. So anyway, that's another story. Um, okay, on with the countdown. We've just got a couple minutes left, and I can just touch on this one story. I f- don't remember if we mentioned this here, but um, Alex Newman put out an article on March 16, and it's called Chant to Aztec Gods of Human Sacrifice in California Curriculum. Cal- government, government schools in California will soon be asking the barbaric Aztec gods of human sacrifice and cannibalism for help in pursuing counter-genocide against, quote, white Christians. This is proposed in new ethnic studies in Southern California. This is curriculum that was formally approved. Seriously. And here's another warning. What happens in California doesn't stay in California. Why would they do this? Uh, we'll, we'll continue this article when we come back. And then, when the media corrects itself, we very rarely hear about it. But I got a big story that uh, and it involves misreporting, lying about Donald Trump. We'll get to that when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So the story is called uh, Chant to Aztec Gods of Human Sacrifice in California Curriculum. You can find it over at FreedomProject.com. Alex Newman, uh, the Newman Report, he's reporting on this. And uh, to continue, now here's what they're teaching these kids to chant in their official ethnic studies. It's a community chant, right, based on these songs and chants. Um, among others, it includes chanting, chanting Panche Be, Panche Be, in the Lack Ek affirmation, a direct appeal to the murderous Aztec gods in pursuit of, quote, critical consciousness. So, clapping and chanting for this god, uh, who is worshipped by the bloodthirsty Aztec regime primarily through human sacrifice and cannibalism. I mean, tens of history, human history, tens of thousands of victims had their beating hearts chopped out of their bodies by, quote, priests or uh, in part of these ceremonies. Their god, small g, god, is supposed to give children the power to be warriors for social justice, and this is what the curriculum reveals. So this Aztec god is supposed to give government school children today power to be warriors for social justice. This is the driving forest forest behind this curriculum that's going to be, I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be in California curriculums. But these Aztec gods, right? 
Do you remember this? There's a movie. Mel Gibson was in this movie, Apocalypto, I think. Uh, Travis, was that movie Apocalypto with L. Gibson, Mel Gibson, uh, where these these natives they showed the Aztecs they were taking out hearts of certain people and sacrificing them to their gods. I mean, this is what this is about. They're chanting now. They're, they're teaching kids in school. So remove the Bible, right? Remove prayer, right? Remove Jesus Christ. Remove the Ten Commandments. Anything goes. Now you've got to find room for other gods now that the truth of Christianity and the Judeo-Christian principles and morality has been expelled from government schools. This is part of the Antichrist system. So we know it's the Antichrist agenda. We know that. We know what's happening. With all these stories that a common theme today, it's this, the spirituality behind these stories is a demonic attack on Christ, on the name of God, on Christians in our culture. So here's another story now that I, first of all, um, Gab, it's a social media outlet, it's, it's, it's Christian owned from what I understand. It's under attack now for choosing humanity, freedom, order, and Jesus. The new social media platform Gab, G-A-B, it builds itself as a place for conservatives and Christians, but it continually faces attacks from every angle. Um, their business, businesses on Gab have been banned. Um, Gab has been banned from five banks in three weeks because the media has written bad things about your business, so it's because they're on this Christian platform. Gab was hacked at the end of last month, and um, the attack was a result of spiritual warfare for standing for conservative values, and those are based on Judeo-Christian values. Now the company is suffering for catering to a conservative Christian audience, and it won't be long until other areas of Christian industry are affected. Now this is the digital world, big tech, but there are companies out there. Um, we mentioned them before. I just want to shout out to some of them. Alignable, Brave Browser, Clout Hub, Dat Chat, DuckDuckGo. Get off of Google, Google if you can. DuckDuckGo is a search engine. Gab, Social, MeWe, Parler, Rumble, Signal, Telegram, USA.life, and Wimkin. There are probably more. Uh, Mike Lindell's working on one. Uh, from what I understand, uh, President Trump is working on a uh, social media platform. So, but, you know, th- it's a free market. You can do what you want. But these guys, they're open about their censorship now or their discrimination against those with the biblical Christian worldview. Now, one of the things that got me blogging years ago um, was media bias and liberal media activism. And I've said so many times, we now have one-party media in America. There was just an article that came out yesterday over at One News Now that um, a federal judge said he blasted the one-party control of media in America. And this is something, it's not, I don't think it's going to get any better. I'm usually an optimist, I think. (laughs) But this is not going to get any better, friends. So you must find alternatives. We are putting together together a list of resources that you can trust. Um, Keep on reminding me of that, by the way. We're we're almost complete. I don't know how we're going to get that out to you, but it's on my personal website. When it's done, I'm going to put it on standardforthetruth.com in some form or fashion. But we've got to go to the right sources and get informed. So now... Audio shows the media got the Trump Georgia story all wrong. This came out a week ago. It's one thing if a single news outlet publishes a fraudulent, anonymously sourced scoop. That's one thing. It's another thing entirely if multiple newsrooms across the country claim that they independently, quote, confirmed this fraudulent scoop with anonymous sources of their own. They lie, and they get away with it. The former can reasonably ex- be explained as a simple error. You know, They can't get it all right every time. But the latter is not so simple. It's unrealistic. So many sources would be wrong about the same thing. So let's go back to this story now. In January, the Washington Compost otherwise known as the Washington Post, scored a humdinger of a scoop, right? Then President Donald Trump 
was still reeling from the results of the 2020 election, quote, urged Georgia's lead elections investigator to find the fraud in a lengthy December phone call saying that the official would be a national hero. This is what the Post reported, right? Citing a single anonymous source who supposedly confirmed the details of that private conversation. But recently released audio... This is over two months ago. Recently released audio of the phone call now shows that Trump never said these things. I get so frustrated by this, friends. I know. He never urged the investigator's chief to find the fraud in Georgia's presidential election. But that was reported from coast to coast by liberal media activists. The Democrat media outlets on ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, a lot of BS, um, they reported these lies. What Trump said to Fulton County, Georgia, um, representative, he said, what, what he said that is, if you can get to Fulton County, you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable, he said. He talked about the dishonesty in the election. He followed this by telling the investigation's official that she would be praised when, not if, she produces the evidence of wrongdoing. Now, there's a big difference between saying you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable and and saying go find the fraud, which Trump never said. Again, this story was from an anonymous source supposedly, that had access to this phone call. My other beef with this is that it came out over two months later after the phone call. How could media outlets confirm this? Well, we can't believe, we just can't believe the liberal media anymore. So one represents the president notifying an investigations official of voter fraud in a specified county in Georgia, which there was voter fraud. The other represents the president demanding an investigations official get him the results he wants, regardless of the facts. That was a lie, and that was what the Washington Post put out there, which the New York Times trumpeted, and all the other papers followed suit. The report alleges also that the president's part in the conversation meandered from flattery to frustration and back again. The report then speculated that the president may have committed a serious crime. However, with the exception of flattery, a review of the audio doesn't appear to support these characterizations of the call. So plain and simple, what's the result of this story that came out two months later? (laughs) The newspaper got it wrong. They lied about President Trump. I know. Surprise, surprise, right? So their supposedly eye-opening scoop has since been updated two months later, conveniently, when no one else cares, to include a 130-word 100, editor's note, which reads, Correction. Two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top elections investigator. The recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by an anonymous source. Trump did not tell the investigator to, quote, find the fraud or say that she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting that she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had, quote, the most important job in the country right now, end quote. A story about the recording can be found here. The headline and text of this story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump. NBC News picked it up at the time, reported it, confirmed the Post's characterization of the December 23rd call through a source familiar with the conversation. The USA Today 
claimed, quote, Georgia officials speaking on the condition of anonymity to discuss internal matters confirmed the details of the call. No, the anonymous source lied. They didn't confirm any details. The Post just apologized, which not many people will see. But the opening story, the first story that broke headlines, that was national news, right? Even ABC reported President Trump, President Donald Trump phoned a chief investigator and secretary of state uh, office asking him to find the official fraud. That's a lie. PBS, progressive BS, in other words. I'm sorry, publicly public broadcasting or something. Um, and CNN, the Communist News Network, likewise seemingly claimed they independently, quote, confirmed the story through their own anonymous sources. Lies, BS, balderdash. So the most likely scenario is ABC, The Washington Post, and all these other Democrat media activists just really had to find a way to lie or quote an anonymous source they they knew would never be come forward so they could push this story that reflected negatively on Trump at the time, which was based on a lie. And so now you can find the Washington Post apology. It doesn't say where in the paper it was or on the website. I'm sure it's not on the front page because they had to eat some humble pie. But uh, that's just this story called... Washington Examiner called Audio Shows the Media Got the Trump Georgia Story All Wrong. This was from a week ago now, but there's so many of these stories that come out that you will never hear about because when they have to go back and correct something, they either do it on the back page or in a small paragraph or maybe on their website. And that doesn't make the headlines or the top news of the day, does it? When they admit they're wrong and somebody actually lied. So this just kind of encourages me to get those resources out there to you, that page of links that you can go to and use for uh, to get some actual truth. But we're in a big battle, friends. We are in a battle not only to support and declare the truth of Jesus Christ and biblical morality, but we're in a battle for just truth about what happens in our culture and our government. A major battle. Anyway, friends, uh, thank you guys. Uh, we'll let you know uh, who our guests are tomorrow on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow we have an in-studio guest, Pastor Kevin Minsky will be with us. He's with a very uh, great uh, Bible-believing church it's a small church with a big heart right here in De Pere. And he's going through the book of Revelation, and he's in chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the churches. So we're going to talk about the book of Revelation tomorrow with Pastor Kevin Minsky of Christ the Rock Community Church in De Pere, Wisconsin, not too far from the radio station. And so Pastor Kevin will be here um, Monday. You're going to hear from Jason Jimenez. He's a former, uh, well, let's just say what he is now. He's equipping the church. He's an apologist. He's got a solid ministry. And you'll hear we had his testimony the last time he was on. And we'll hear a little bit more from his ministry, Stand Strong Ministries. And, man, he's helping a lot of people, especially men of God, uh, Jason Jimenez next week. Gary Ka will also be with us next Tuesday. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll put the articles and the podcast notes at standardforthetruth.com. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. 